Hello, I'm Sarah Tullock, Talking Writing's podcast manager, and this is the Talking Writing Podcast. From now until the end of the year, donations and new subscriptions will be acknowledged by the Talking Writing Podcast and will receive a gift. Please find your subscription and donation options on this episode's Substack post. Thank you and enjoy the episode. So today I'm meeting with Jason Logan, who's the author of four books, and also an illustrator, designer, and art director. And then in, in 2018, your book titled Make, Make Ink, A Forager's Guide to Natural Ink Making was published. And I thought that folks listening to this podcast would be interested in hearing more about your process, your ink making process, and your creative process. But I also saw that you were the subject of a documentary, which is really interesting. I'd like to, you know, hear more about that. But yeah, if you have anything else that you'd like to add, I, I know you, I, I saw that you're coming out with another book and it'll be for children on ink making. So do you want to just talk a little about that first? Yeah, I mean, I think that, I think that more and more when people ask me what I do, I just say that I'm an ink maker. I feel like the sort of illustrator, art director, designer is, you know, was sort of the basis of where I am now, but I I like to just say I'm an ink maker. Okay. Um, well, that makes sense. That's how I think of you. So I mean, not that I know. But I like well, the, but... you know, I don't mind the fuller bio, but uh, yeah. so I think that my focus in ink making has been, you know, I forage, I make little bottles of ink and I do workshops and the sort of that, or I guess I could say outreach, you know, so that mm-hmm. includes making books and teaching people how to make their own ink and kind of turning ink making and color research into a bit of a community. So that I feel like more and more that's, you know, a huge part of what I'm trying to do in the world. So the, the I think the children's book, which is with MIT, is kind of a combining color, magic, and science. And then the documentary, which is now downloadable all over the world, is, again, my involvement in that documentary is kind of all about the community of natural color people, mm-hmm. sort of all over the world. So I don't know where, which one of those we want to start with, but I, I think there's sort yeah. of on the one hand, there's the, you know, I make ink. And on the other hand is I get other people interested in making ink and, and sort of there's a community that are all learning from each other. Yeah, that's, that's one aspect I'm personally interested in. So I discovered your book only recently. So I was at the Philadelphia Museum of Art with my partner and I saw your book and I was like, oh my God, I need this. And so he got it for me as a surprise, but I had been making ink for a while before that, but not really in an official capacity. Uh So your book was really, because I just have a hard time reading instructions sometimes. But reading your book was like, it was just great. It was very easy to follow. And then I just got really into making ink. And then I started looking up other people who do it. And then I was, I wanted to talk to you about it because your book was really inspiring to me and I'm sure other people. And then I saw that there's like a whole community, like you said, and there's lots of resources out there. 
But as far as getting people, I mean, I think that's great to get people into that themselves. Do you, so when you do workshops, is it primarily about ink making or is it more about foraging or both or like what you can do with the ink or, I mean, what kind of things do you do in the workshop? Well, I'm, my focus really has been on place-based color. So, okay. Yeah. I'm interested in making ink from things that I find at my feet. So yeah, for me, I can't really separate the foraging from the ink making. To me, that that's the delicious part of it. Is I agree, it, it's it's foraged <laughs> and that it can be found right at your feet. And you know, I just I just got finished doing a. I do a lot of online workshops as well, but I just did a in person one. I haven't done that for a while, and it felt so good to be, you know it was kind of a time of year where everything's gray and the mm. workshop was like right downtown. And it, it just looked like kind of cement and dead trees. And, yeah, you know, we went out as a group of, you know, 12 or 15 people. And within a couple hours, we just had a extraordinary array of all kinds of things. And I think that that, you know, if I have a favorite part of all of this it's the moment where you sort of move from thinking like there's nothing going on yeah. here to realizing that there's all kinds of things to forage and play with and experiment with and a lot of it really connects to old traditions you know mm -hmm. yeah that, like when I wrote my book like that was five years ago now I felt like I was pioneering something you <laughs> yeah know? Totally. and and the deeper I get into it, I'm like, I, I'm not pioneering anything. I like th this is these are traditions that go back as far as like, you know, cave paintings, basically. You right. Know? Yeah. The idea of, of people playing with color that they find at their feet is it's one of the oldest things we've done as beings. Like it probably precedes us being homo sapiens, you know. Yeah. Um, so there's a kind of an amazing i guess like optimism about the world that's that's in, what i was thinking when this. you were saying that because you're looking at this gray landscape especially this time of year when it gets dark at like four you know and then but you go outside and it's like if you take a few minutes even to just look around you you'll find something that's like mm -hmm. not only useful but it is inspiring because it means that what you can see on the surface isn't exactly true you know yeah. And I think that, well, you know, you as an artist, your listeners as artists, like there, there's this sort of tradition and it's not just in art, like it's this idea that somehow there's this thing called nature where you have to go way out somewhere far away. Mm -hmm. um, and that's where like your sense of connection to the earth lives or something, you know, I guess be some grand, like, adventure yeah time. and this sort of sense <laughs> of land like this sort of landscape painting or landscape art somehow involves this sort of pure form away from all the humans and all the roads and all that stuff and I think that you know I love to be out in the middle of nowhere camping when I can right. you know, but, yeah but I think for for a lot of people it's actually really hard to get way out there in pristine nature and I think there's all kinds of extraordinary things going on, like 
in cities. You know, I, I think there's a, a real natural, I think there's adventure in cities, actually. I don't think that you have to give yeah. up adventure. Like, I think that there's, with the right eyes, you can sort of find. Exactly. It's about perspectives. And yeah, like you were saying, not everyone has the opportunities to always just get out into this big journey into nature. But if you just go to a park, in a city and walk around for, you know, half hour, you're going to find interesting things. And it's, to me, it ties into like the idea of like, there's so much, there's infinite universes everywhere. You know, it's like, you might look at a park and on the surface, it looks like, well, it's all gray now, nothing's happening. But then when you get down to it, there's just so many different worlds that we uncover by just like looking, foraging and looking for not always, you know, like for this purpose, ink making, but I know that other artists use things from nature as well. So, mm -hmm. yeah. No, so I, I feel like I, I, I really, really to that myself. So mm -hmm. I had a question for you about that. So let me just follow up. So I had a question for you just as I, so my first ink I ever made was with poke berries, which mm -hmm. are just, they're so easy to, you know, yeah, like, what a beautiful um, color. I oh my god, it's just stunning. It's one of my favorites. Yeah. Mm. Just can't like I, I went crazy after I got your book. I went crazy like looking for pokeberries this last summer. It was getting kind of ridiculous. But so I made a lot of batches. But but I mean, so as far as you know, when you so I saw that black walnut ink was the first ink you made. Did you just like how did you get the idea to start doing this? Uh, was it something you read or was it something you just kind of encountered over time or was an interest of yours? Well, with the with the black walnut, I was I was living in New York and I was working as an illustrator and I went to like this art supply shop called Pearl Paint that no longer oh, yeah. exists. But did you ever were you ever the yes. go there? Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, so it's like, I don't know, five or six floors of art supplies in Chinatown <laughs> on Canal Street and just like a real old fashioned art supply store. And mm. it was just sort of fun to get lost in it. And I in that art supply store, I found this little bottle of black walnut ink. And, oh, OK. You know, I bought it. I took it home. I started painting with it. I love the way it kind of layered. And also, I just yeah. I was like, this is crazy. Like, it's like an ink that's like from a tree. Like I'd right. never heard of that before. Yeah. I, just, I, had I was a, like, yeah. <laughs> what a delight, you know, and it, it was fun totally. for lettering and fun for sort of washy paintings. And I used the whole bottle up. I went back to Pearl Paint like a month later and it was gone. Like, you know, like it was just one of these art supply stores, or one of these supplies that sort of comes and goes mysteriously. And right, uh, right. But it, it stuck in my head. And then I, when I was back in Toronto and starting a little family and I was getting really interested in like non-toxic arts. I got kind of worried that all the art supplies on the back of them have like a cancer warning, you know? Like yeah, it, that is disturbing. It unnerved me, you know, as a, <laughs> yeah, as a, yeah, as a new little... father, it unnerved me. And uh, uh -huh. um, yep. Anyway, so I'm, I'm like on my way to work at my like kind of corporate sort of creative, but corporate job moving little box around on the computer. And there's a tree with a little label like you know how trees sometimes have a little sign that tells yeah. you what kind of tree they are uh, and on the tree it said black walnut and i was like oh like you know maybe i can make ink out of this thing yeah and so i found a recipe online and i you know waited until the 
black walnuts fell from the tree and I mm-hmm. boiled them up and kind of like the pokeberry ink, like it's just instantly kind of a beautiful ink. Like there's barely yeah. anything to do with it, you know? And, and unlike the pokeberry ink, it doesn't fade. It actually just gets richer with time and is very, it's very long lasting ink and it's got a really nice glossiness to it. And okay. I'll have to try it. I haven't, I haven't yeah, actually anyway, it's, that it, one myself, you know, so. In areas that have pokeberries, there's usually also black walnuts in in those same that same sort of geography. And you use just the hull, just the outside part of the black. Okay. And you know, so I had this beautiful brown ink that looked exactly like that ink that I'd used in New York. And you know, I bottled them up in in beautiful little bottles and sent them out to people that I'd worked with in the past. You know, artists, Mm -hmm. traders, and and had them as my kind of beta testers for this ink and then I was like I think I just want to make it I just want this to be my company like I just want this is what I want to do you know yeah that's really cool so that was the black black walnut was sort of my my gateway drug exactly (laughs) (laughs) yeah I actually about your company had a question so I was looking on the site and so it looks like a lot of the things are sold out will you guys be adding any more for sale at any point yeah I mean I just there's just an article in the New York Times about what I've been up to. And yeah. I don't know, like a in the just in the few days after that article, like I'm basically sold out of everything right now. Like I I have to Oh, I have to, okay. That's I have to make a bunch more batches of I'm, okay. I'm just like kind of out of things basically right <laughs> that now. That makes sense. Okay. Um, I wasn't sure, but I figured so it is I mean it is a bit yeah, like in my emails, I always say we, but it really is just me. And occasionally when I get a big order, there's like an assistant or two. But, yeah, you know, I'm not really a giant corporation. So it is a bit like, yeah, the selling bottles of ink is a bit seasonal. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And plus, if you have other things going on and you're making the ink, then it's like you can't always devote time to that. It is time consuming, too. Yeah, I mean, I think that, I mean... You, you'll know this too. I mean, I'm sure your audience will know this too. It's just that as a, like, it's like as an artist, as a creative maker in the modern day, you're like, okay, I'm the marketer and the advertiser and the like, and the artist and the like, you know, research and development team and the like, you a know, lot. So, yeah. and it's sort of like at some <laughs> point you're, you're trying to balance out, like, I want this thing to be, you know, feel true to my soul and I also want it to keep going so that there's a kind of like business model there too so I, I just feel like it's con a constant sort of juggling act between you know how do I really keep this thing rolling as a business and also how do I keep it just true to my own spirit you know so right like you don't want to just become this like company where you're grinding out this ink and you're like doing because you have to and that sort of thing you know yeah Um, I mean early on someone offered to sort of help me turn it into a company where we're like it was going to be like making prints and greeting cards with natural ink or something and I was just like no that's not really like it's kind (laughs) of more of a when I first started I called it a citizen science experiment because I was really I was like how can I have it like be almost owned by every like it's kind of yeah. like the world is like trying to understand what the kind of possibilities of color are you know so it's it to me that 
the sort of outreach to other people has become the part of it that I'm most interested in, I think. I think a little... Yeah. I love packaging up individual bottles of ink and I've got a couple, you know, I've got someone who still sells quite a few in Japan and like I'm, I still do that part, but I find mm-hmm. it very time consuming. Yeah. It's, it's, I don't know. I haven't figured it all out yet, you know? Yeah. Well, I don't, I'm sure you've heard of the Birmingham, Birmingham Pen Company, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I'm a big fan of their inks, but I did want to get some from you whenever you, I'll just keep checking your website. Yeah, no, I would love, I would <laughs> love to. I, I mean, I do, you know, for, for special people, I send them, I, I do a lot of sort of custom inks as well. Like I've got artists who are kind of yeah. like, oh, could you make me a X, Y, or Z? And I love doing that kind. I love the sort of problem solving kind of ink making too. Like that's a lot of you know, these, these little vials of ink that I'm making right now are for, they're building a library and they wanted inks oh, right. based yeah. on the materials kind of in the area that the library is being built in. And it's kind of Oh, like, cool. I love um, that idea. So kind of looking at like, you know, some industrial stuff and some weeds and some like bringing it all together. Um, right. Because so, like, if you look at a vacant lot, yeah, there's weeds, there's just leftover building materials. And yeah. Yeah. So it kind so of mirrors that. There's that sort of another piece of what I'm really interested in is how can you sort of bring together these place-based materials and sort of historical recipes? How can you bring that together with real meaning? You know, like how can you make these inks meaningful Mm -hmm. and kind of attach them to a, a story of place? Well, there's an artist, and I don't remember the name, but I was in Ogunquit two summers ago, and she at the Ogunquit Museum of Contemporary Art, I can't, that's not the name, but it's similar to that. Yeah. She was, I, I'll have to look up her name and send the name to you, but it was mm-hmm. an artist who would, she would paint paintings, landscape paintings based on certain like sections of a property. And then beneath that, she would include um, like, she would include the media that she had used, which Mm -hmm. wasn't always just paint. It was like things based on the land around that she was painting. So I'll, I'll have to find the name and send it to you because I, I like, I really liked it. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Even before I started ink picking, I I always kind of loved, I've always sort of delighted in and loved when you get a description of an artwork and it really gives you every single ingredient. Yeah. You know, like, I don't know why I find that so satisfying but it's that's what I do so yeah (laughs) glad to hear you're a fan I like experimenting with a lot of different stuff obviously ink but tons of other things Mm -hmm. but I yeah so I wanted to ask you about so your book on ink making for children I know there can be safety issues with making ink and I know that pokeberries are toxic I've had the ink on my hands countless times and survived but are you going to, I mean, do you have any other, I guess there's two questions. If you wanted to just, it, will the book be kind of a straightforward instruction process, kind of like your workshops, but just aimed at children or will there be something else involved in it? That's one question. So I'll just ask that now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the book, the book is called how to be a color wizard and it's out next fall and cool. it's not just ink. It really is uh all kinds of experiments and activities around color. Cool. So there's, you know, there's foraging stuff and there's, but there's also like, you know, 
making a rainbow in the dark and you know making a lava lamp and like how to have a color and you know so it's it's not all ink making i did i had a lot of early discussions with the publisher around yeah around safety because okay kind of a like i don't know i kind of go back and forth on it you know like I, i feel like I often have someone at a workshop kind of like, you know, grab me by the lapels and they're like, do you realize that this is a toxic material? You know, and I'm kind of like, yeah, <laughs> I'm kind of like, well, like, yeah, like, yes, I think people should be really, you know, just because you picked it up off the ground or just because it comes from a plant doesn't mean that it's not toxic. You know, like I right, think right. people should be aware of, of everything they use, you know, and I think mm-hmm. that, um, Definitely, like the things that cause can't may cause cancer on the label that you're talking. About. <laughs> yeah, and you know, for instance, you know, any anyone who uses dry pigments, kind of no matter what they oh, are, yeah. if you don't use a mask, if you're grinding up dry pigments and you don't use a mask, you're you're ingesting. You've got that stuff in your lungs, you know. Like even if it's, uh, you know, even if it's as simple as you know a carbon based thing, that's essentially taking up, you know, like really the things we call toxic or the things we call pollution are, you know, uh, molecules that are in the wrong place at the wrong time. Kind yeah. Of, you know? Yeah. Like it's like, so I think that, you know, there are sort of disclaimers and there are warnings on the recipes that, you know, you do want to take precautions with, but on the other hand, you know, pokeberry is, toxic if you you know eat a handful of berries and you grind up the roots and you you know somehow ingest all that but yeah yeah um it you know it was used in indigenous communities as medicine and it, mm-hmm. parts of it can be eaten and right. like so it's like the very often plants that have some kind of chemical potency to them are you know, toxic under some conditions are, you know, can be an irritant under other conditions, especially things that have color pigments in them, you know, can be harmful if, if you're Mm -hmm. not careful with them, you know, it's sort of common sense kind of. Yeah. There's, there's a bit of like, I think you have to do your own research and it's, you know, some people are very, some people are extremely sensitive to, to chemicals of any kind, you know, there's, there's, I sort of say, you know, if, if it's dry pigments, wear a mask, you know, yeah. if there's anything kind of bubbling up, wear uh, <laughs> safety goggles, you know, right. Good if, point. There's, um, <laughs> if, if you kind of are not totally sure about something, wear gloves, you know, like, I, I don't right, think be careful. Yeah, like, mm-hmm. I, I think that, you know, it's like you go out in winter weather. And if you're not dressed for it, it's right you you know and if you are dressed for it it can be a total delight you know so i think that i think take precautions do your research you know i do think that we're a bit obsessed with kids safety you know and i've got three kids myself so i I know where the (laughs) obsession comes from like i i do i'm obsessed with safety but but i i think that um I don't know. I think individually people have to sort of balance that notion of of safety out in their own way, you know? Yeah. And according to their own child, like they know their child. So they know if they might be getting into something versus, mm-hmm. versus some kids are very careful. And um, 
Yeah, I, I know you mean I don't have children myself, but I've kind of noticed that there's like a pendulum that's swung to like the other side because it used to be like, oh, kids just driving around without seatbelts. And now it's like, you got to watch everything. So. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, we're probably better now than we were in the 70s. Like, oh, I yeah. It was a bit some of the some of the like, I think we're careful about things we probably should be careful about. Yeah, but, but I. Yeah, there are times where I just feel like, you know, there are toxic things in your garden. There are toxic things in your kitchen. There's toxins. Like there are actually toxins everywhere, you know? And yeah, I exactly. I don't know that it's possible to sort of have a recipe book for anything that doesn't have some dangers involved. Like, I think that that's um, part of life. That's just part of life. And it did. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I, I, I go on about it because it's, you know, I've never written a children's book before. So I'm, I'm, I have been sort of going over everything with a t fine tooth comb thinking like, okay, what, what happens if they're boiling up this thing, you know, and they don't have a parent with them or, you know, like, so it's right. Okay. Yeah. Well, it is a big consideration for many reasons, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would, I would say they're pretty safe, satisfying mm -hmm. recipes. Like, okay. Well. Yeah. I'm sure you're not like having them do things <laughs> yeah. with like test yeah. tubes in a yeah. lab or something. Yeah. I mean, there was a, <laughs> I, I don't know. It's just, it is, it's a, it's a question that's really interesting to me because I, I think, cause I started out with my, the inks that I made were like basically edible. Like I was very oh okay obsessed huh. with sort of non-toxic, you know, like gotcha. making things really, really natural. And then the deeper I've gotten into it, the more I'm like, well, really interesting things happen when you add like metals or when you add like, you know, there's, there's certain sort of things that you find on the ground that aren't, exactly natural but that do really right. interesting things you know so I think that I have I've allowed a little bit of like a little bit of the alchemy into what I do which which also mm -hmm. has you know the I guess the dangers of things that are can be toxic you know right but then it's really fun to experiment and so see fun, what yeah. happens <laughs> yeah it really is <laughs> yeah well, that brings me to another question. So the weirdest thing that you've ever, weirdest, whatever that means. This is my partner's question, suggestion. Uh -huh. Weirdest thing that you have, most unusual thing you've ever used to make ink. Oh, I mean, I made ink out of gunpowder. I made ink out of the I-95 interstate yellow paint okay that's <laughs> pa cool. passing lane paint i made ink <laughs> out of cigarette butts yeah yeah made ink out of the ideas in the franklin expedition which was like a famous oh okay couple ships that went down in the arctic um wow made ink um with dog's blood yeah i mean it's sort of like you, you, whatever yeah i'm not sure what the weirdest i'm trying to think i of mean yeah i don't know i was just i mean he was curious but um i was also curious but yeah. uh, i mean that's what i find really fun is but that's also another question i had so if you so i'm like still in the experimentation phase of just trying a lot of stuff you know when you see like a berry or a plant that you're not as familiar with how, is there a way that you can tell if it's going to be a good medium to make ink with? Yeah, I mean, well, one thing is there's iNaturalist, which if you take a picture of your thing, you can 
find out on your phone what it is and then yeah you know, yeah often, i have one of those kinds of things there's often yeah. something usually it's more in the world of natural dyes than in the world of yeah inks but very often if you sort of say like dogwood bark or something someone will have tried to dye wool with it or something you know and and if if something's been used by the dyers there's probably a way to get pigment right ink from it but so that's that's one method with with berries i usually just like squeeze it like if there's if there's yeah. colorful juice in there it's gonna it's gonna have color and and often like a really rich colored berry you squeeze it and there's sort of nothing really in it yeah i've noticed that it's gonna make it way harder to get <laughs> pigment out of it you know um, well like the creeper in the back of this property it has all these berries and i keep looking at them but i can tell they're dry they're like yeah dry, and they look you know? you know they they look exactly <laughs> like wild grape which makes a beautiful ink but they're oh, not yeah. wild grape uh they're no but I do someone someone I, I get a lot of advice like just on my Instagram, like D, people DMing me on Instagram. And, oh, and cool. OK. I was always saying, yeah, don't forget about uh, Virginia Creeper. But the, <laughs> um, <laughs> someone and I wish I wish I could quote who it was said, oh, my God, they're amazing. If you boil them up with a little bit of copper, they they really bright, bright, beautiful green. Um, wow. So I haven't tried that yet, but I'm I'm. I'm curious because they're want everywhere yeah. and they're, they're cool. like an invasive weed. So, <laughs> I mean, um, you could make so much ink out of that because <laughs> it's yeah. everywhere, you know? <laughs> I mean, I think, you know, I always have 500 answers for every question, but, but, uh, you know, and another answer to that question is I start by just saying yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, when someone's like, can I make ink out of that? Or I see something and I'm like, this looks interesting to me. I, I wonder if it could make ink. Like, why not just start by saying like, yes. Yeah. Sort of that trying, makes sense. You know, there's, there's, there really are like, there's sort of three amazing techniques that if you try all three on something, you'll mm. probably get some color out of it, you know? Okay. That makes and, sense. Yeah. You know, one of them is to just try boiling it up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Another one is to soak it in like pure alcohol and kind okay. of macerate it in pure alcohol because some pigments prefer alcohol to sort of pull the um the color out color out and then yeah. um you know thirdly there's just like kind of grind it to dust <laughs> yeah. you know yeah. and, and 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 then you know add some gum arabic to that and, and yeah. Kind of made a paste out of that and then i guess you know fourthly there's sort of the pokeberry thing which is just like squeeze it you know like just literally just crush don't, it and you're good. don't try yeah. to boil it don't try like i find anything you do to pokeberry makes it sort of worse like i think the pokeberry it's got its own natural binder which are the it does yeah there. and it oh just, yeah it's, i mean it's so residual like it just hangs in there you know for... yeah, it really hangs in there so, <laughs> yeah. so that's the yeah maybe that's the very first thing to try with something that looks interesting to you is like squeeze it yeah, <laughs> you know, like it, it might just have the ink right in there. Yeah, and I, I uh, so there are a couple things I tried. I uh, so there's slender scratch daisy, which I tried, and I was able to actually make like a pale yellow ink out of that. And then there were a couple other. Oh, winged spindle. Have you ever used that? I don't know that one. Okay, well, I'll I'll send it to you after. I'll send you a picture of it. But it's this, and I, so I live in New Hampshire, but I'm moving to Pennsylvania. So I'm in the Northeast. But 
they're everywhere in the fall. And I started noticing them because they have these bright red berries, mm-hmm. almost like orange red. So I yeah. started using those. And I, when I crushed those up with the mortar and pestle and then kind of like boiled them in a little bit of water and then added, then they, it came out to be orange dot, orange pigment, which mm. was really, ex- really exciting. Hey, but yeah. then there were some other things that weren't as successful, but it was just fun to try, you know? Yeah. It, I felt like a kid again, but not that I, I didn't ever do that as a kid, but I, I know from a young age, I was always obsessed with exploring the outdoors and seeing what was there and picking mm-hmm. berries and all that. So I don't know. Yeah, it's it's just fun. Yeah, so, there's a there's a kind of a, you know, there's like, there's kind of the expertise side, you know, like it's yeah. kind of fun to talk about like, okay, what did you try? How did you do this? You know, but then there's also the, just the, the pure childlike delight yep. of like, you know, not everyone made ink as a, kid but most people like either played around in the mud or made potions or you know like took a like a campfire stick and like wrote with it or like you know like totally yeah (laughs) and and that like part of the delight in that was just here's things at my fingertips I'm just gonna do stuff until something happens you know like it's sort of yeah something sort of empowering and and democratic about that yeah. version of mark making that is just so it just feels like it goes back generation upon generation of of you know and it's not there's the craft expertise side but i think there's also just the joy of i don't know what this is gonna do that's like, more where i lean at least at this phase of the ink making i'm just excited to explore and try new things and all that but um and yeah, I mean, I see a lot. Like, I have a Pinterest account, so things pop up on that, and it's interesting to read. But I really just like kind of—it's sort of like an adventure. It makes every day an adventure. You know yeah. what I mean? And that kind of goes back to what you're saying before about how if you're in a city and it looks gray, but then when you kind of zoom in, you find so many more things. Mm-hmm. You know? So. Yeah, I, I was gonna say too, like hot tip on the on the yellow. You know, when you've got yellow flowers alcohol really does bring that out okay might be a fun one just to try is is with alcohol and and if you don't want to make an alcohol-based ink you want you want to stick with water-based inks there's um uh alum really brightens yellows yes i have that at home i haven't used it yet so if that's a really it's a really it's sort of shocking how well it works but you know it's a natural salt you you get it at you can get it at the the dyers have their own version of alum, but you can get it at the grocery store. It's like a pickling spice. And it, right. Okay. I, I have you, yeah, I ordered it a while ago. I when you boil up kind of anything like dandelions or anything that's yellow and you mm-hmm. get a kind of faint yellow ink, you know, add a half a teaspoon of alum and suddenly okay. that faint yellow becomes a bright yellow. Cool. It's quite I'm fun. Excited. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's great. Okay. So Let's see. What else do I have? So just like, and I just was curious about the, so the filmmaker, Ryan, how did Mm -hmm. you guys connect? Did you know him beforehand or did he just kind of reach out out of the blue or how did that happen? No, I had, I had worked with him in the past, like in my past life as a, you know, working in the publishing scene. And he, he was like the film critic for a magazine that I worked with. Oh, cool. uh, Okay. And then, you know, it was sort of after we'd both 
moved on to other things that we started experimenting a bit with filming some of my ink experiments and mm-hmm. uh, and then he had worked with this guy Nick Depensier who's a really amazing like documentary cinematographer so yeah that project was kind of the three of us going on all kinds of adventures and really connecting with a lot of these people that I'd met on Instagram that I'd never actually met met in person you know anyway if you go on the National Film Board of Canada website you'll see that it's downloadable so you could have a look okay. uh, there, there's also a really nice trailer on youtube uh you could cool. have a look at it but it's yeah it just it just came out as this amazing like the making that film was just a it was just like a waking dream like i couldn't mm. believe it was sort of one of those ones where it's like i don't know there was a there was a different production company that we're going to do it and then they kind of fell off and then someone mm. else got interested and like it was very there was like a lot yeah. of you know, like it's really hard to fund and make films happen, right. but it um, <laughs> once it finally did get going, it was just like a dream. Like I got to just sort of play on a big scale, you know? Yeah. And like just and yeah, I, I don't know. It sounds really affirming because I as an artist, that's not my full time job. You know, like I'm a copy editor. That's how yeah, I primarily yeah. make money. But, you know. Um, it sounds, it just sounds like you're able to just have a lot of fun and that, you know, and explore the ink making, which is, sounds like a dream to me. So, <laughs> yeah. And, and not just, I mean, it was, was that, but, but almost bigger than that was meeting some of these heroes of mine, you know, mm, like, yeah, you know, there's the Leanna Fink, who's like, you know, artist illustrator that I love New Yorker kind of illustrator. You know, there's rocks, this incredible, like, two-spirited tattoo artist. There's, you know, and there's amazing indigenous, like, dyers in Mexico. There's, mm. like, you know, around the world, you know, artists that I worked with, artists that I was interested in, like, just a real network of color. They became sort of mentors to me or something, like, people who've really okay. gone, gone deep into... I mean, Heidi Gustafson is sort of the world's preeminent ochre specialist. And she has an ochre sanctuary where she brings in ochres from all over the world. Like there's, you know, they're opening up mines from a thousand years ago, like just every imaginable color. And it's just ochres, you know? That's Um, amazing. That sounds really cool. (laughs) uh, You know, so, you know, I'd, I'd been communicating with her and sending letters and stuff for years but mm-hmm. you know the film allowed me to go there like deep in the woods of the pacific northwest and really like meet with her and experiment with like this weird living bacterial ochre and you know like it was just a wow that's yeah, really cool magic spirit like art supplies like all of it kind of it does to- feel like magic to me as well (laughs) it's just like i don't know what it is about it it's really it just encourages creativity which is is great and then so i just had pretty much well i had two questions one if you're planning to like publish a follow-up book for adult audiences um, or if if you think you'll move on to a different topic if you publish another book um well i've been 
You know, I've been writing a weekly newsletter called The Color on Substack. And um, oh, I'm on Substack. I'll follow you. <laughs> yeah. And that's been a really interesting, like, almost like self-discovery around color stories and, and foraging stories. And I think, I don't know if there's something that I want to publish in that, or it's just something that's an ongoing, but it, I that think makes that sense. Yeah. A lot of my writing. Yeah. That, that sort of like sharing writing part of my brain has a lot of it lives on Substack right now. And I'm not sure. Okay. I don't know. I'm sort of interested in that almost as a form. Like it's, I kind of love just that you can publish whatever you're thinking you know, rather than waiting for some publisher right. to decide that it's worth okay yeah, exactly. there, you know and I, I you know I, I'm I'm responding to and in relation to the readers and the subscribers but but you're you're not sort of it doesn't have to be packaged in the same way that a book does exactly yeah I don't know I'm not I mean I think I'm I'm dedicated to ink for the rest of my life, you know, but yeah. I, I don't, I don't know what the next, yeah. How I love a book. I do love a physical book. So yeah, me too. <laughs> there probably will be another book, but I don't yeah. know exactly what, how it'll play out. Okay, cool. And then there was one more question uh, that I had. All right. So when you were trying out different inks, what would you say there was like, what was the thing or is there an ink or, or a plant that you thought material where you thought it was going to be make a really great bank and then it just fell it fell flat and you had to kind of move on. <laughs> I'm just curious about that because um, um I know some of them are like you do all this work and then it's like oh right <laughs> yeah one that's really hard is green you know like to, to really yeah. get the, the green from something that's green yeah you know? to get something from chlorophyll is, is really mm -hmm. tricky I think uh, seaweed I've really wanted to work with in some interesting way and I haven't yet gotten that to sing um, okay but I don't know it's interesting I really noticed in my last workshop that you know because there's a lot of people kind of doing their own thing and me coming over and being like oh that's cool like you could try this or you know and I just noticed a lot of people talking about what they've done as like this one was really successful. And this one kind of was like, right. As you say, like, wah, 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 you know, like, <laughs> and, you know, and, and I was kind of like, I was sort of agreeing with them. Like you kind of see the ones that look, you know, really bright and stand out. And then the ones that sort of look like, like a tea stain or something, you know, but sometimes that's cool. Like sometimes that's, I want yeah, that, you know I what I guess mean? That's what I was recognizing was that <laughs> yeah. I don't know, like, I think, part of what's amazing about making your own ink is kind of getting away from that, um, the sort of binary of like success, failure, you yeah, know, just sort of, um, you know, or, or like bright and dull or like, you know, love it or hate it, you know, like, I don't know. I think that. Yeah. That, it, it's not all black and white because sometimes yeah. you need a kind of just sort of faded pigment in the background. Mm -hmm. It's not all going to be like these bright colors all the time, you know? And it, and it, you know, I think that, you know, there's opening your eyes to all the, all the amazingly bright colors you can find in a city, but there's also opening your eyes to, you know, the grays and the tans and the browns and the, you know, the, the, the more sort of tonal or 
textural yes. variations that you get from making your own color. And I think that I love when I've spent enough time with, you know, materials that I'm just interested in them, not for their color, but just because, you know, I'm interested in the roots of these cedars that grow by the river, you know, and it, mm -hmm. it becomes really, it's really satisfying to sort of adjust your mind and eyes to, yeah, maybe it's a thousand colors of brown, say, you know? Right. Yeah. I mean, because if you look at any, you know, if you look at any painting, it's not all just these really dramatic, like you need a balance everywhere, mm -hmm. you know? So I, I appreciate that. I There was one, the second ink I ever made, I can't remember it right now. <laughs> it was very faded, but it added so much depth to this painting that I was working on because it was, it was just like, it's kind of like the shadow in the background. It was mm. really nice. So yeah. I appreciate that too. Yeah, no, I often, when I'm talking to like students about this, I often mention that, you know, that Van Gogh painting the potato eaters. Yes. Uh, yeah. You know, which, which is just like, he describes that in a letter to his brother. He sort of says, you know, there's a, you know, it, it sort of almost looks like it's in a cave. It's a real like peasant hovel. And they're all kind of like, you know, almost can't tell how many figures there are because it's so dark and gray in there and they're kind of eating away at their mushy potato soup and <laughs> you know and there's a candle burning which becomes kind of the central thing that you notice about that painting and the candle's like so bright like like a bright bright light in this dark murky painting and and van gogh says you know if you were to you take a bit of the the very brightest white in that candle light and put it on a piece of white paper it would look totally smudgy and gray, you know? Right, right. So it's, it's, by, it's just by putting all those subtle tones beside each other that you, your mind decides something is really bright or really dark, you know? Well, yeah, your eyes are basically, your, your brain is like deciphering everything and it, so mm -hmm. it's making these decisions. But yeah, I find that really interesting. I'm going to have to go back and look at the painting again now. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't, I didn't, I just, I sort of knew it vaguely, you know, but it was like after reading him describing it, it was quite satisfying yeah. to look in terms of the way that your eye adjusts to those, those subtle gradations. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's all I have as far as questions. I really appreciate it. Oh, what is your handle on Substack? I'm sure I could find it, but just grab uh, it. it's just called The Color. The color. Okay. I'll yeah. follow you on there and the talk to writing. Spot the Canadian there. way with, with a U in it, the color. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> and then the, the, the film is called The Color of Ink. And I, I, I really hope that, I hope that people will get to see it. it. It's been a big success in Canada and it hasn't yet sort of found its American audience, but I really hope that people will see it because I think it is like for all the sort of sad, and hard news in the world. Yeah. It, it's, a, it's a documentary where you kind of come out of it feeling like, oh, like things are possible, you know? Mm, yeah. Well, it's not, it, I haven't watched it yet, but it's on my short list. So I'm very excited about it. <laughs> so, okay. Well, I think I'll, I'll get back to you if I have any follow up questions and I'll just keep in touch. I'm going to send you a couple of the things that I mentioned during sure. our interview. But yeah, it was really nice to talk with you. Thanks for taking the time. This was a really good, it was a really good conversation for me. So thank you. I, I enjoyed it too. It's, it's nice yeah. to...
Yeah, and thanks for your thanks for your patience on the. Oh no problem. <laughs> getting yeah. the interview date. Um, <laughs> no problem. Okay, thanks. Uh, All right, thanks. Have a good day. You too. Ciao. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Talking Writing podcast. We're an independent literary site and nonprofit organization based in the Boston area, but with contributors from around the world. Since our founding in 2010, we've relied on donations to keep publishing and podcasting. To donate to TW, you can use the donate button on the rss.com page of this podcast or visit talkingwriting.com donate. And of course, feel free to drop us a line at editor at talkingwriting.com.